0: <laughs> Every time oh, do man, that's incredible.
1: It's my Halloween costume. <laughs> that's,
0: pretty it, of of that. that's pretty great. That's pretty great. Uh, welcome to another edition of the Bluminati Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Bond. Join alongside me, as always, Robert Steig and Bruce Wayne slash Seth Barnador Slash the Batman. That's right. I'm Batman. <laughs> I'm Batman. So, guys. See, have I, you ever I, seen a Batman movie?
2: Yes. Okay. Surprisingly, <laughs> which <laughs> uh, which
0: which ones have you seen?
2: Uh, the Dark Knights, uh, all basically all of them. So you've seen Batman Begins? Yes. Ross Aguil, Liam Neeson. I you you you're saying words, and I don't know if they're English or not. <laughs> you, oh. uh, you, I mean, they're definitely.
0: I mean, Ross Aguil maybe
2: is. I mean, maybe it's definitely English, but. I'm also I, I know this is gonna come as a shocker, but for how bad I am with uh movies, I'm also equally as terrible of like celebrity names and matching names and faces. So uh let me do my quick 20 second research on his face and I'll get back to you. You don't know who Liam Neeson is? Oh no, I know Liam Neeson. There's like I could probably count on fingers and toes the amount of celebrities that if you say their name, I know exactly who they are. Um and he's then one of them. everything else is yeah, he's he's one of them.
0: Is it because he was in that Seth MacFarlane movie? The, <laughs> what the? The sausage seven, party? No, no. The that's that's <laughs> Seth Rogen. The a thousand ways <laughs> to die in the West. <laughs> yeah, that one. Thousand ways, yeah. A thousand ways to die in the West. Nothing. But, no. Nothing. See, I'm, I
1: haven't seen that one. I'm with,
0: uh... <laughs> I walked out of that. It, so Samantha and I. Just, there's only so much we can talk about tonight so we're we're gonna we're gonna milk this a little bit i'll be honest um oh
2: god so i wasn't prepared for you guys to shit on me for <clears> well, <throat> so, what do
0: you what are you guys what are you guys going for
1: halloween we we're, we're, we got a family costume i'm batman we got uh we got a Catwoman. we got a robin we got uh poison ivy and batgirl so
2: okay
0: we got a family costume what are you guys That's not bad Um, so last year we went as, uh, so Olivia was Cinderella last year, Samantha was the fairy godmother, and then I was Gus Gus and, (laughs) uh, Brody was, um, the other one, the tall one, the other, the other, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um, coincidentally today is this week is spirit week at my work. So I actually wore, uh, the fairy godmother costume to work, (laughs) Uh, was for, it a hit. It was it. It was a <laughs> mega, mega hit. It was it was a mega hit. Um, definitely, definitely uh, went over well. Um, I think Olivia's like the miraculous ladybug or something like that. Oh yeah, uh, I know ladybug. Uh, I think Brody Cat Noir. Samantha's going to be Cat Noir. Mm. Brody is going to be Rex from Toy Story. Okay, I'll um, think. Right. and then I don't know what I'm going to be yet. Oh. No, nope, that's for Friday. So Friday night, this is self-serving. Uh, I think I told you guys this yesterday. Uh, I'm going to oh, yes. do the cutout with my head like on a cardboard, and then it's just going to be my Twitter profile with the verified checkmark because I'm verified on Twitter, unlike Steve. Yes, I'm going to get there
2: eventually. We'll see. Maybe. Why <laughs> not? It's my it's my damn Simon and Garfunkel uh, DMCA from four years ago. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm.
0: Definitely that. Um, so we had the bye week. What did you guys do over the weekend? Did you do anything fun that didn't involve football or
2: yes, putting yourself through pain? Yes. Well, I had I had a adventureful Saturday, fellas. Let me tell you something. Uh, oh, by the way, Halloween costume. Uh, we're going as uh, Bob's Burgers. Um, okay. So so Bob and Linda, except Page is going to be Bob. And, and I'm going to be Linda. See, yeah. do you see the joke? Do you see the funny? But you've I got do. the mustache. That's Seth. Nothing gets past you.
1: You're wasting a perfectly good mustache there.
2: Uh, the last like three years. I did mustache-oriented <laughs> costumes, so I figured, I thought, hey, it'd okay, be funny right, if you yeah. did it. Yeah. There you go. Okay, I get it. It's it's, it's all coming together. <laughs> piece by piece, it's all making a perfect picture. Uh, yeah, we had a we had a full fucking Saturday. Let me tell you something. Uh, we had a uh, little wedding party down in Brandon for uh, one of my best friends from college. So, uh, you know, messed around and uh, won some uh, Disney trivia. Uh, nice. No surprises there. Uh, actually, to some people, that might be a surprise. Uh, so, got that out of the way. Uh, and then that evening, we did a uh, a zipline adventure over in Oldsmar. It was like a, a sunset, like, zipline ropes course at a... Uh, at a uh, at, at just like this random side street kind of thing, but it was like a legit thing. Like it had like five or six zip lines that are like yep, like three hundred foot zip zip lines that are like seventy feet in the air. So no it was uh, it was it was pretty badass. And uh, lo and behold, in Oldsmar, Florida, I uh, I got recognized by by someone, and I, I mentioned it to you guys in Slack. It's the um, wildest thing, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. And to be fair, um, I, I think between having the mustache and also doing this live show, which allows people to see my uh, my gorgeous mug, I was also wearing a USF shirt. So it's kind of like, who is this mustachioed individual who is wearing a USF shirt? It's like five of us. Uh, so I <laughs> ran, into, <laughs> ran into Kevin White, uh, who is on the OG uh, 97 team. Uh well I don't know. So that was a that was a pretty neat interaction. Uh so if you're watching or listening, Kevin, it was fantastic meeting you. Uh you scared the shit out of me because I did not expect someone to yell at Steeg the of, uh, That I that uh, I Brazilian. didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> like I was not prepared to meet people at like a at a football game, that's one thing. About to zipline 70 feet in the air. I was yeah, not you, <laughs> you. don't want people
0: screaming your name Steeg as you're about to go down a zip line, like, oh my God, Steve, you're not connected. <laughs>
2: Uh, And then uh, we met some of Paige's friends for dinner that night. So it was a a nice Saturday. I'm going to be completely honest. I watched 35 seconds of college football on Saturday. uh, When we were walking into the restaurant, the Penn State Minnesota game was on. And I walked by. I was like, oh, what's happening? It was uh, like five minutes at eclipsed. It was so zero zero. I was like, cool. And then I moved on with my life. It was wonderful. Seth, what about yourself?
1: (laughs) Well, uh, I watch the games, uh, but um, we had a uh, dance dance studio for my kids. had their um Chris or not Chris, Halloween party, so we went to that on Saturday. and uh, then uh, we had uh, a tra- a train trip, the Pumpkin Patch Express on Sunday for the kids. so that was that was the time. And uh, that's pretty much it. That's kind of the big, the two big things of the weekend. Still got to watch some college football on Saturday though. So all in all, all, a much busier weekend than normal. And I actually have to work games. So
0: (laughs) yeah, I I watched some football, you know, recovered from COVID. I'm feeling a lot better than I was, Um, but yeah, didn't really do much kind of stayed in the house. Low key. Um, just you know, drink plenty of fluids, drink plenty of water. Um, had some soup that was nice. Um, Smith made this homemade like chicken broth soup that was actually pretty good. Um, yeah, just kind of laid low, it was fun. Um, had some weird ass COVID dreams. Uh, I put one on Twitter that was just insane. Uh, Olivia at age five was actually a high school quarterback prospect. Um, at I'm at a lake house. in the hot tub, her her right hand falls off. And I'm like, Liv, you gotta put your hand back on. We gotta go practice. Ants frozen stiff. So obviously I put uh the, the the frozen hand in my mouth to thaw it. And then Olivia turns into former Michigan quarterback Denard Robinson. And then Jeff Scott calls me to recruit Denard Robinson slash Olivia. So that was oh, that was one strange ass COVID dream. Did you guys did you guys ever experience that? Covid no. related hallucinogens? <laughs> uh, no, uh,
2: I'm built different. Haven't had COVID.
1: <laughs> really? Built, built different.
2: Built, built different. different here. Built different. My, my uh,
0: it's the mustache. My neighbor <laughs> and his wife they just got COVID, COVID. COVID catcher for the first time in what two and a half years, and it it wiped him out a little bit. Um, but on to better things, I guess. Um let's actually get into t- let's talk some football. Your uh 1 and 6 USF Bulls 0 and 3 in AAC play uh travel to Houston on Saturday to face the Cougars who are 4 and 3 2 and 1 in the American games at noon Eastern 11 a.m. Central time. I know there are going to be some people out there. Games on ESPN2. Um Houston leads the series six to two. They've won the last six games. They've won the lot. La- they put up 50 points in their last three games against USF. Um, the last USF win. George Bush was in office. They beat the Cougars. 32 14 Markwell Blackwell threw for 305 yards threw two for two touchdowns. Rushed for three touchdowns. Also punted one time for 33 yards. But that's not even the story of the game. USF's defense picked off Houston quarterback Nick Eddy seven times in that game. Not so steady, Eddie, huh? No, not even close. So that was the last time. That was 2002, November 23rd, 2002. Last time USF beats Houston. And uh, I don't want to give too much away, but I don't think it's going to happen this week. Um Initial thoughts, and we'll kind of dig in deeper. Uh, Houston's 4-3, and pretty up and down, but their three losses are against halfway decent teams. Seth, what have you seen from Houston? It seems like, I mean, there were some player fights. They were kind of – they've run the game, and they've only played seven games so far.
1: Yeah, so going back and looking through their season, we talked about them a little bit last night on – Next level on BSN Coast every Wednesday at 7. Uh, we talked about them a little bit. And going back and looking at their schedule, it's not quite as bad. Um, I think initially, the, the people turned sour on them just because they were playing a lot of close games at the beginning of the year. But their losses are to Texas Tech, who's not terrible, especially when they're uh, healthy at quarterback. Texas Tech went on the road and just thrashed West Virginia last week. Then... They lost to Kansas, who turns out Kansas has a pretty good offense, and was kind of a uh, maybe a little bit better than people expected at the time. So at the time thinking I oh, lost to Kansas, these guys are terrible. Kansas turned out pretty good, and their other losses to Tulane in overtime. So it's not like they've lost to the dregs of society here. They've lost to some pretty good teams. Uh, I think they're still disappointing, but you know that game they probably should have lost to Memphis as well, kind of pulled that one out of nowhere, and that maybe got them back on track here, turned the season around for them a little bit. They're still a really talented team. Uh, they just were having some issues earlier, kind of putting it all together. I think maybe sometimes a game like that Memphis game where you come back and and you kind of steal one after probably going the other way on you all year, that that might be something, that a catalyst for them pushing them forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. So. Um, probably probably catching him at a bad time. You would have liked to caught him a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> right? As opposed to now. So
0: we were like them before the Memphis game, and then yeah. they got a bye week, and then uh, kind of handily put away Navy last week. Last two games on the road, they're finally at home. Um, first time in like close to a month for them, honestly. And uh, you know, Clayton Tune looks like the guy we all thought he was going to be. Um, what? completing 65% of his throws, 1800 yards, 17 touchdowns, four interceptions and then Tank Dell's doing Tank Dell stuff. 51 catches, uh 627 yards, eight touchdowns. No one else has 20 receptions on that team. It is literally Tank Dell or bust for this Houston offense. At least in the passing game. Uh running the ball not as great. Um their defense is a little suspect. It like Navy put up 20 and like it Maybe he's a pretty unconventional team. Um, Steve, what, what do you see USF being able to do without Gary Bohannon, who by all accounts, I think we can agree here, he was really starting to find his groove the last nine and a half quarters that he really played uh, going back to what I guess Cincinnati um, Tulane was pretty good uh and now he's out for the season what what can you see Trey Marsh being able to do against this Houston defense who gives up chunk plays they're they're uh not great on third down 44 percent on third down defense um what do you see from from USF that they can maybe take advantage of this week
2: Uh, Side note, before I get into that, I was very distracted. USF uh, men's soccer just upset number 14, Charlotte. So that was pretty cool. They scored with two uh, seconds left. I I, I saw that. (laughs) So I was infatuated by this absolute butter goal that USF just scored to win this game. Uh, But realistically... The game plan doesn't really change too terribly much when you're changing hands from 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 Gary Bohannon to Travis Marsh. I, I think you kind of are now a little bit more limited in your QB run game, but I, realistically, you know the way that uh, Travis Trickett was getting Gary Bohannon involved wasn't like extravagantly, you know, difficult QB run plays. Like it, it's a lot of misdirection. It's a lot of it's a lot of uh, curtain calls and a lot of you know. Showing a certain play that you may have ran earlier in the year, kind of divvying it out in a different way. And I think we can all point back to that um, that touchdown pass that Gary had with uh, Jimmy Horn against Tulane as, as a prime example of how Travis Trickett's offense has just been priming itself more and more as the year goes on. And, you know, we can beat this drum until we're all blue in the face. Phenomenal hire. I I mean, the guy is literally doing doing wonders with this USF offense right now. But again, I don't think the offense is going to change too terribly much. You're still going to be a run first offense. You know, you do bring something a little bit different with with Trey back there. uh, At least a different arm. You know, really, you'll we'll know what the game plan is for for Travis and for Jeff. You know, within the first scripted plays, the first ten plays there. You know, I, I won't be surprised if that first play is you know. Play action to Brian Batie, and then let it let it loose in the in the slot to Jimmy Horn. With you know Trey's got a big arm, uh, I'm sure mm-hmm. they're going to be kind of itching for uh, a big confidence builder on the first play. And, and you know we kind of joked about it last night. Uh, we think that it, you know if if Jeff Scott gets the opportunity, they're going to take that ball first against Houston to really try to set the tempo um, <laughs> for better or for worse in the first uh, play here.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I would think that even even though it's not Marsh's specialty, even with that, I, I would think that just the quarterback run game is going to be a little bit limited anyways, just because you're already on your second string quarterback. Are you really going to risk another quarterback in the run game? Uh, so that may be limited, even if Marsh – if even if that was more of a strength his, anyways. One positive thing for USF on the offensive side of the ball is that Houston is – 95th in the country in terms of 20 plus yard plays given up. So they give up a lot of explosive plays. So kind of, you know, towards the bottom of the country in terms of that, they've given up, I think 38 of those. So 38 plays over 20 yards, 18 over 30 yards, which may be even worse than 95th. Yeah. It's 106. So they give up some chunk plays. So if, If you can get Marsh playing, uh, kind of in the system, which he did at times against, against Tulane, he made some throws in that game. Uh, he also had a costly turnover, but he made some, he made some pretty good throws in that game and played all right. Right. Um, So if you can kind of get him comfortable, you got, you had, uh, you know, he had two weeks to kind of get a game plan together and get a chance to study it and look at it. And hopefully that's enough. Um, to kind of be able to see the plan for two weeks and then go out and execute it in the game.
0: Yeah. And to, to that point. uh, So trace was, he was kind of banged up. He was dealing with um, some concussion protocols, uh, but he's back, he's playing, he uh, he's taking all the first team reps um, at least this week, maybe the, you know, Sunday, Tuesday, and then the rest of the week. Um, so it was it could have been real bad uh, for USF if they're if they had if they were forced to play a game last week I think Byron you may have seen Byron Brown maybe a lot sooner than one maybe if hoped or expected uh when you come into the season um but he should be back the the thing that's always been uh the issue with Trey Marsh I I'm not telling any secrets here uh he he is what you would call a practice player for all intents and purposes. Everything that we hear from practice, spring practice, everything is like this guy has got it. He's figured it out. He's got the cannon. He he, hit, he makes all the throws, and then he when he gets into the game, he is a turnover machine, like absolute turnover machine. And I would I would wager Collins' life on if Trey Marsh has started a game, he's had at least one turnover and I would set the over under one and a half in each game he's played and or started. Uh, that's just been his issue throughout his entire USF career, Cincinnati in 2020 uh, ECU last season, basically iced the game on the pick six had the turnover last, uh, or I guess two weeks ago now uh, versus Tulane. That's always been his issue. If he can clean it up, complete uh, a few more passes. I, Kind of opens up the offense a little bit. I would like to see him uh, hit Jimmy Horn deep, like you hit Daquan Stanley. That's right. That's a, that'd be a fun, you know, wrinkle to the offense that we haven't really seen this season. Yeah, and of note about Houston
1: is, and it'll be interesting to see kind of what you get back health wise in the running back room. Uh, in particular, they're they're pretty poor at giving up explosive runs. They're 119th in the country in 20 plus yard runs allowed so hey they're tied with the usf uh so (laughs) not great defensively uh against the run at least they give up some chunks at times so you know maybe maybe if this is a game you rely on your run game a little bit more uh kind of goose it a little bit with play action and some rpo stuff make it easy on trey marsh lean on the run game a little bit especially if you get some of those guys back healthy Hopefully Kelly Joyner can play a little bit longer than uh, what he did last time. Give me, give me some positive fantasy points this week would be cool. Uh, but <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see going um, forward.
2: Speaking of a uh, fantasy there for a second, um, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but Jeff Scott in his press conference today said he wasn't going to give away too much about what they did in their bye week And then specifically mentioned uh, that, you know, we'll probably see a good bit uh, from, you know, these, these four court, qu- he mentioned four quarterbacks by name, if I recall correctly. And let me, I want to, and find not we one just- of them, he mentioned walk on Ryan Bullock over George. And let me tell you something, folks,
1: Cardinal Mooney product that's in the next level viewing area.
2: Just ah, couldn't, couldn't give me just a slight glimmer of hope.
1: Absolutely you know? not. He also said he didn't want to give away any secrets, you know. So that's
2: true. He, you know, we could get a uh, could get a secret play here. I mean, at this point with all the damn injuries, I wouldn't be surprised if <laughs> if, if uh, Jordan has to step in a few times here and there. Um, but yeah, it's a it, it. Jeff Scott's press conference today wasn't bad. Wasn't good either. You no, know, I, I think it's it's much of the same of you know a guy that's just clamoring for for life at this point is just. You know they they put him up there and guys got to say stuff and he says some stuff and some people take it one way and some people take it the other way and how do you do but yeah I mean I, I, going this is all segueing into I think we're gonna see extensively uh, some some good Byron Brown play uh, within the next five games they have that right. four game threshold for his red shirt um, you know he kind Jeff said it and the only good thing about all these injuries is hey all these young guys that. You know, we heard all good things about during the recruiting trail. You know, hey, here comes your Division One uh, wake up call and uh, get you into some games here because they're kind of needed at this point.
1: Yeah, I don't see why you wouldn't get him some reps. I mean, four—you you can play in four, so get him in four. And then if you know what—if he—if you play him, if you play him this week and he does well, play him. Like, what's the? If you're a really good quarterback, you're not going to be around for four years anyway, so if he looks like he's going to be a really good
0: quarterback, play him. Exactly. I mean, they they, they can still go to a bowl game, technically. There so can. maybe they're they're playing for that because uh, the bowl game counts as a game of eligibility. So, you know, really, there there's, you know, possibly six games left on this schedule, right? Are you saying there's a chance we can go back to the Birmingham Bowl? Theoretically. Would they have Ooh. us?
1: You get that rematch against Florida, maybe? Yeah, give, give,
0: give, give it back, <laughs> bring us back, baby. Right. Um. So, a lot a lot of injuries. Uh, Jeff Scott mentioned in his press conference on Tuesday they should be getting some guys back. A little too early to tell. Uh, for some, I, I think getting uh, Kelly Joyner kind of back, as you mentioned, Seth, he, he was kind of thrust into it a little bit. First, you know, live action hit he fumbles and then you don't really see him again. Um I, I think he'd be a nice welcome addition. I think I don't even know what to do with Jeremy Mangum. I was looking at the depth chart. He's technically fourth on the depth chart. They've changed some things around like you know Gary's not on the depth chart anymore. Um so there there are they are updating and cleaning that up a little bit. I don't know if that means he's almost back. So they're just putting him in there, or he's legitimately just fourth on the depth chart now. I just That's one that's uh, a little confusing me. That's been a little ambiguous. I think he'd be a nice addition, especially now that Gary's gone. We talked, we've talked we talked about this season how Brian T was kind of the outside guy, what Tim McClain was last year. Jeremy Mangum was the, the north-south in between the tackles. Gary had taken over that role, so it was kind of redundant like to see him kind of slot back into that. And now you you've got some options there. Uh, you know, they ran with a couple of, uh, you know, two running back sets a couple of times over the last few weeks. Love to see that. Just make it a little bit easier for Trey Marsh. Uh, another thing that may, um, help out Trey Marsh a little bit, uh, maybe some production from the tight end room. Re- if it's receiving or blocking, uh, that has been a suboptimal uh, group. uh this season. I think uh, just the blocking that I thought that would be the best part of, of this tight end room. It's not being great. Uh, you know, I, I think I posted in our Slack a couple weeks ago. It was a nice little catch to Xavier Weaver, Gunnar Greenwald literally got blown off his block. It, it was a, uh, you know, a practice rep got blown off his block, blew up the play. Um, but it was, it was about Xavier Weaver. just Gunner was in the background, just getting blown up. So that's, that's the tough part. Um, as we head into the back half of the season, is there any glimmer that you guys are, are taking from the season so far? What's, you know, I know it's, it's going to be a stretch, maybe some mental gymnastics for you guys. Um, what's been the most surprising thing in a good way? For USF as we uh head toward the, the last half, as Jeff Scott said, maybe only like thirty-two days left in the season. Uh surprising and positive. I mean, I, it's not it wasn't
1: super surprising, but I think the offen- the performance of the offense and uh trickets, uh I think the scheme he's brought in, his planning, um, you know, the game against Florida where they kind of busted this stuff out for the first time, where it really looked like they were kind of sitting on it the first couple of games. I thought that was surprising in a good way. It was kind of shocking. I think Florida was shocked; they had no clue that that was coming, and it gave them some problems. But um, that's been, I think, the most pleasant surprise is especially a guy that wasn't calling plays previously to come in and, and kind of do hit the ground running pretty much after you know game really one one and a half. Since then, the offense has been pretty good. That's not been the issue uh, outside of the Louisville game, which was an injury filled
0: nightmare. So. <laughs> right, uh Steve, what about yourself? Anything that's you know been pleasantly surprising for you
2: yeah i so the the two statistics that i well, not just statistics but the two metrics that I kind of put on my stamp for this season at the beginning of the year um back in february was was passing touchdowns and then what I consider to be havoc plays on defense mm-hmm. um you know the two the those two statistics last year for u s f were Literally the worst in the country. I think we were worse than uh, the service academies at passing touchdowns, which isn't good. And then we were, I think, tied last in statistics like sacks and tackles for loss, um, with like Vanderbilt and you know some some not so great programs. So I really kind of looked at those two things this year, knowing foresight and hindsight always, you know, is, is a great thing. Knowing that this year was going to be a tough year for USF didn't really know how tough it would be, but I kind of looked at those things rather than I was going to look at wins and losses because we were probably going to lose most of our games. Anyways, let me just try to find our glimmer of hope. So we've already surpassed last year's season total when it comes to passing touchdowns, which was fantastic to get that done. You know, basically halfway through the season. Um, Statistically, that kind of puts you up for success. And then same thing on the back end Um, defensively. I I know we can all talk and nausea about how bad the defense is this year, you know, giving up points, giving up yards. They're still getting sacks. They're still getting tackles for loss. They're still getting, um, you know, turnovers when applicable at a much more efficient rate than they were last year. Again, we're not like top 25 in the country. We're at like, you know, just below average at it, which was something that we kind of looked for this year as far as progress. So I'd say that those two things are are what I'm kind of saying is like, Hey, that's, that's not so bad. Um, you know, Jason Vaughn, I think, is the prime example of it. Like a guy that just has exploded these last couple of games has, uh, you know, three games, th- three straight games with the sack. I think he's up to five on the year. Yep. You know, he might, he's, he might very well surpass the season total in sacks for the entire defense <laughs> last year by himself.
0: It is possible. <laughs>
2: like, good. There's sometimes there's good things that are happening throughout all this bad stuff
1: the defense improved but worse
2: (laughs) somehow i you know i i I joked about it because it was like you know if usf can do these three things if they can get more sacks if they can get more tackles for loss and if they can get more turnovers they're probably going to be better like that i did so much research on like how to improve a defense from year one year two it was like create more havoc plays do this do that and somehow they're worse, even though they're better it's, at the havoc plays. So you're to blame. It, it's yeah.
0: only something USF could do. Uh, be, there was uh, in the game notes uh, as I was kind of prepping for tonight. Uh, they've already surpassed, you know, last year's totals. They've surpassed 2020s totals. Uh, they're not. I. They're maybe on pace for 2019. I think they had like 94 tackles for loss, 29 sacks, um, and that 2019 defense wasn't great either. Uh, so you're just trying to get back to, I guess, baseline would be a a fair assessment. We knew that the defensive line was going to be an issue this year. Uh, the injuries across the defensive line haven't helped. Um, I think for me, the, the, surprising good thing is, uh, you know, within all the injuries, we found out Brian, Petit is that guy and he is, he is your bell cow. He is your best running back on the roster and it's probably not close um that was a nice thing to find out. I think we Seth, I think you and I kinda of were kind of in the Brian Petite hive uh for, for quite a while. Yes. Uh it was nice to finally see that unleashed. I think he's first in the conference or near first uh in um yards per game, like total yards per game. I think he's like fourth in the conference in rushing yards per game around at around 70. Um you know game script kind of dictates how that goes. You know, if USF's down big and you know they've been down big a lot, they kind of they have to go away from the run. Um but in those close games you you're seeing him get 15, 18, 24 carries in a in a game and uh he's kind of turned into the bell cow even at what five eight, five nine, 170 pounds so, sopping wet. He's he's been the, the pleasant surprise for me. Yeah and you
1: you can't it's hard to replicate his kind of explosiveness. We saw last year on kick returns and you kind of seen flashes of it his given when he's gotten carries and it was, it has that that's another great one being able to see him kind of get more consistent carries. Cause that is like the, you know, when you do running back by committee, you know, you don't, you don't really get that. You don't get to see these guys mm-hmm. get extended carries, get lathered up a little bit and see how, you know, they do when they get extended looks, so it's that has been kind of a the blessing in disguise of most of the injuries. But
0: um, yeah, that's that's a really good one. Yeah, and then on, on the flip side, you know, I don't. I mean, the, the entire season has been disappointing, so I don't. I don't think we we can understate that as more than we already have. Um, but you knew, you knew Jimmy Horn, and you knew uh Xavier Weaver were gonna get their stats. The, you knew they were gonna put up numbers um all season long. Uh the I guess the disappointing part for me is there there hasn't been another receiver to really put their stamp on on this season. You know, Brian is the third leading receiver. He has nine catches for 35 yards. Uh Marian Dawson has seven catches. Yusuf Terry has six John Atkins has four. Um Sean Atkins and Daquan Stanley are the only two guys who have receiving touchdowns outside of Weaver and Horn. It's like you bring all this talent in and they've done literally nothing. In terms of yardage, Daquan Stanley is fourth on the team with
1: one catch for 73 yards.
2: Efficiency, baby. That's all
1: that is. (laughs) He's
0: got a great I Dare I say he's leading the country in (laughs) yards per catch. I just, it's, that's been the, the frustrating part. You bring in a Joe, a Joe, you bring in Choffrey Brown yet you, you, uh, you know, you bring over to Stanley from, you know, DB to, to wide receiver. Yusuf uh, Yusuf Terry is supposed to get a larger role in the offense. Marion Dawson's been in, uh, you know, another year. We loved him as a, as a gunner on, you know, special teams. We thought it would translate and it's just been a complete and utter dud from that entire room, and it's that's been the the most disappointing thing for me. It just how has no one else stepped up? Well, I think I room? think
1: that that room is kind of uh, a small, you know, look at the entire team. How many of those guys have had nagging injuries? You know, the, who who did you think was going to be the guy? A Joe? A Joe was the the pedigree. <laughs> that, and then he's been hurt pretty much the entire season. Yusuf Terry's had injuries. Coffee Brown's had injuries. like that. I think in the Louisville game, they were down their top four receivers. So that room's kind of been a smaller version of the team in terms of, you know, the guys you were hoping would step up to kind of really improve, you know, defensively, like outside of Boyles. You're kind of waiting for somebody to step up, and you'd have a guy step up like DJ Gordon, then he gets hurt. And so it's kind of like a microcosm. The receiver room is kind of a microcosm of the team where – you're looking for those guys to step up, those new guys, and they look like they're about to, and they get hurt. Or they can't quite put it together because play one week, out the next, play the next week, and then you have guys like a Joe Jenner, where they're just done for the year. So I think that's been part of it too, and that's probably a big theme on this season when you look back at it is all the injury stuff too.
0: What about yourself? What's been you know outside of the obvious? What's been kind of the more disappointing thing that you thought maybe they should have been better or you were open for better. I thought the
1: defensive back room was a little bit deeper. And now it's getting, that, that, that's kind of unfair to say really, because that depth is really getting tested. Uh, but there are guys that they recruited a few classes back that are junior, that, you know, not COVID juniors, but, or, you know, in their third year in the program that were kind of local guys that seem to be pretty big wins in recruiting that haven't got a ton of play. Um, you know, there are guys like you know, from that have that played pretty well as freshmen when they came in and haven't got a ton. So I, I think that's kind of that's been disappointing. Uh, because I thought that even with the kind of medical retirement right before the season, of Smoke Davis, I thought that group had some depth and now you know they're, they've been hurt a lot. So we haven't we're getting to see that depth, but it's not quite ready to play how they want to play. It seems like. And so they're having issues. Now what's funny is like the past defense numbers are pretty decent, but it's kind of a syndrome of other things, right? Right. If you can run the ball, nobody
0: needs to throw it. Exactly. (laughs) It's like, why, why throw the ball when I can get almost a point per rush or or a, a little what point four points per rush is, that's the the echo rate rusher, uh rushing um it it's it's been tough I just don't um yeah, I agree, Steve, what about yourself? Is there anything that's kind of
2: been glaring for you just i mean, you just, uh, I mean <laughs> pick your poison uh really it's it's kind of the whole gambit of it all i mean it's it it, it seems like it's not only just the on the field product, it's the off the field stuff as well. I I think that there's above all else, uh, there's a lot of hostility and negativity that's kind of rolling around, and riding around, and you know from from. Thankfully, we haven't seen much of it on the field uh, necessarily, but you know, just going off of what I see on the on the week to week, on the day to day, on on Twitter, on social media, and everything like that, it's. You know, I, ultimately, that's the most disappointing thing to me. And I know that's going to be stupid cop out, Stee Here, um, but like, it, like football, football, sh- being a football fan should be fun. And uh, yeah, like, yeah, rooting for a one in six football team sucks. You know, winning, rooting for a team that you know either gets blown out or can't hold a lead, to save their life, sucks. It's not fun. Um, but at the same time, you know, the the, the negativity and hostility towards you know the, the 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 social media admins the the coaches like hey, you know i they sat there in the two lane game and you know people around me were like fuck you bob shoot you can't coach a defense out of an ass or anything it's like come on like don't don't do that shit like, like be frustrated but like don't be don't be dicks to each other really it's it's not that difficult um yeah, I don't know. That, that's disappointed me. That, that, but that's just more of of, of Steve's empathy kind of riding high. And you know, whenever I see they post the uniform reveal, and like six right. of the seven replies are just win a <laughs> fucking game, you idiots! It's like the let them fucking post shit on social media.
0: Let me tell you, I don't think you want any of those social media admins <laughs> playing in those games. And I, and the admins, uh, you know, for the most, I think outside of probably one guy. I have a pretty decent relationship with, uh, you know. I love Brian. Um, yeah, it's it's a love hate relationship with him. Uh, Dave's great. The guys who we interact with, you know, on, on a semi daily basis, I uh, love them. But you don't want them out there either. So like it, the the vitriol toward the admins, I promise you, Jeff Scott's not seeing that stuff. You know, Trickett's not seeing it. You know who are you know seeing it recruits so (laughs) so what what does it what does that really do for you um voice your displeasure that's fine but it, it you want you want to know why people leave jobs is because it's the environment that is that it is and sports the sports environment has been insane the last couple of years it's one of the more stressful jobs that don't require like life-saving operations or like going to war right now it's if you don't have a good social media presence you get killed for it if you have a good one and something goes south you get killed for it and it's 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 a it's a tough beat Steve. i mean you've got you know pretty close friends who uh or you know run social media accounts for pretty large organizations and i'm sure they've told you horror stories of what they've they've had an encounter in their DMs and in comments. It's not the admin's fault the team's bad.
2: Right. And, and like I saw like uh this this past weekend with ECU social media this weekend. Someone was like ECU has better, you know, a better social media presence than USF. It's like, well yeah their their team's winning. So that that definitely helps. It ha- also, it'll help. Like that that that's you know help number one. But the second thing is like like they have like loyal dedicated fans. Like when ECU was fucking terrible like they were still like you know, selling out Greenville pretty well because it's nothing else to do in Greenville at that point. But like it's because you, you kind of nourish that environment, really. I mean it, it it is quite literally a product of the environment of what happens around them. And so obviously when negativity kind of leaks in when you're you know five straight years of of being bad, the negativity kind of continues to leak in on on kind of all fronts. So really I mean it's it, the leak needs to stop somewhere. And the, the the easiest, quickest way for that leak to stop is to uh, fold the football program, uh, shut it down for two years, uh, you know, upset a lot of people, and then bring it back to life, and then uh, build a new stadium to kind of, you know, put some positivity back into the program. And oh shit, I'm describing what happened to UAB, didn't I?
1: <laughs> well, do you guys want to see some advanced stats for this next week? Oh man, Let's I do can't it. Wait. Let's talk about the upcoming game here. I got a couple different ones here. I got a couple different ones. So we got we got Parker's stats here. Our guy's stats of war. So uh, the rushing offense for USF is quite good. And I, you'll see I have another, there's another uh, advanced stats preview that shows that. Um, defensively, not very good for USF here. Red is good. Or I'm sorry, red is bad, blue is good. Blue, <laughs> red is. If, 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 if Let only, me repeat. If Let only. me repeat. Red is bad. That means you're on fire, right? Red and is, then blue bad. is Like you're
0: ice cold. <laughs> uh No, red is bad. Blue is good. So, dark red yeah. means you must be really, 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 really bad. Dark red is poor. Yes, not so I think very a well. EPA I- per rush, 131st in the country defensively. That's um not great how many teams are in FBS 131 oh that's not great so
1: 0. 0.346 points so over a third of a point every time they run the ball so three runs is worth one point on oh, purple eye. Whew. on a ex- expected points base so
2: <laughs> Again, that's not it's, great it's it's a shame or it's 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 god's mystery and wonder how uh the, how For how bad the team was or how bad the defense was last year, it somehow managed to get worse. It's, it's actually incredible. It's, it's, it's quite literally a statistical anomaly at this rate.
1: Yeah. So you can see offense is kind of some stuff they do well, like run the ball pretty well. Passing has not been great. Probably the turnovers are kind of coupled in there, the, especially the early season interception stuff. Not been great on early downs. So first and second down. First early downs, EPA, 91st. Equal rate, that's quality drive. Like, great. Uh, how many quality possessions do you have? Uh, so, 46% of their possessions are quality. Not great. But you see, Houston allows a lot of quality possessions. so Something's got to give, right? Yes. Now, that- Parker does not, when he makes these up and makes projections, or like projected points, he does not factor injuries into this. This is simply backward-looking, I believe, at the numbers so correct take that take take this projection with a grain of salt a little bit due to the injuries but this is kind of just a quick look and then i found another one recently that's pretty fun uh let's see if i can just tab over to it no i cannot i'll have to share it (laughs) the uh game on paper is another good one right oh yeah uh game on paper is a newer one i haven't seen this until the last couple weeks, but I really like it. It gives you kind of a little bit up top here. So success rate is down to down success. So for example, gaining uh, three yards on third and seven would be unsuccessful. Right. Or really let's say gaining six yards on third and seven is unsuccessful because you didn't get a first down. Gaining two yards on third and one would be successful. Right. So This is kind of a down-to-down how good are you or bad are you. So, you see, these are all net success rates, I believe. So, Houston's actually pretty decent down-to-down. They've, I think, maybe Mm -hmm. been a little unlucky. Uh, USF has not been great down-to-down. But they're about middle of the road, really. But not the (laughs) defensively is where it kind of goes to crap. But you see the rushing
2: stats here. (laughs) you you're really teasing this this <laughs> bottom half here. I
1: know, I can't wait to see it. The rushing God, it's, stats it's like a, are pretty like the trail. rushing stats are pretty good there. I mean, 10th in total EPA, 5th in EPA per play, 7th in EPA per game, 17th in rushing success rate. So that's a little bit different uh than what Parker had there, but uh defensively, here green is good, purple is bad.
0: So, hmm Man, yeah. hold on. That's that's a Deep Purple. There should be a band called Deep Purple. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, actually, that, that 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 against the pass is quite shocking. I, I will, like that, like that. That has to be a massive statistical anomaly. Well, look at the success rate. <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, they're terrible. Like, success rate is terrible. But yet,
1: like. I would I would venture that maybe they don't give up a ton of explosives in the past game.
0: Right. I just kind but of give up. I, I mean, right.
1: I, I don't know. It, it, when you go back to ECU, that doesn't seem to track. Right. So, right. I'm not quite sure what the, I'm not, I'm not well versed enough to know kind of what the, what the dissonance is there between them being really poor in success rate and kind of oh, pretty decent and, and expected points. Cause expected points is like a success rate, but also where you are in the field, it kind of factors all that in could be that, you know, making interceptions and things like that on the goal line are probably pretty valuable in terms of expected points. So right. That play against Florida is probably a pretty big one. Um, you know, so some of those turnovers may have kind of influenced that a little bit, but down to on a down to down basis, pretty bad. And you see overall, 123rd in the country. So, not great. Houston's offense isn't exactly lighting the world on fire, but they're decent. So they're above average, right? So I would expect them to have a lot of success offensively. Um, USF on, on the other side of the ball, you know, maybe be able to run the ball. And they might commit a little bit more to it with a backup quarterback. So these are both Parker is stats war on Twitter. This is game on paper. Both are really cool resources. So if you like those, check those out. But so kind of a, good like idea. a really,
2: uh, really fancy way to say we're going to be one in seven and potentially uh, staring at one in eleven down the barrel.
1: I don't know about one in eleven, but I think one in seven is definitely <laughs> definitely in play. <laughs> oh, finally!
0: <laughs> I've been waiting for that. I mean,
2: private yeah.
0: chat girls, sign mm-hmm. me up. Yeah.
2: Um, um go ahead, Steve. Yeah. I, I was gonna I mean I probably you and I are probably in two brain cells right now when we're probably gonna say it but like, yeah, I mean there's no way to statistically uh you know make this look any worse than or any better than what it is. Um yeah. <laughs> it, it's um, just that's the nature of uh we kind of say it every week, uh you are who you are until you're not, and then we're kind of that bad team that's uh continually uh, being bad. Yeah.
0: And you know, it's 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 become a thing with Jeff Scott. I mean, what twelve twenty-three uh FBS games, FBS games, he's been down by ten or more points after the first quarter. Um wh- they haven't won uh a road game in uh tomorrow. So uh October twenty-sixth, twenty nineteen. It was at ECU. Which I believe it was one of our watch parties, if I'm not mistaken. I think that game was a watch party at the Beef Up Brady's in South Tampa. Yes. Um, I think it was like a 45 to 20 game. I think there was a kickoff return at the beginning of the game, and that we were like, "Oh my god, it's actually this is not great." Um, but it turned into the the Jaquez Evans show. Um, that was they ran a, the ball down their throat. They did. That was the last game. USF has won on the road. Uh, I think it's a span span of 15 games. I don't expect that to happen to to change anytime soon uh i mean I, I, by all accounts Jeff Scott is not the guy if if we're if we want to be completely candid here i he really kind of talked up um you know during his press conference this week that you know the last five games are really going to can really be the story of the season if we if we you know, make it so, and uh, I, God bless him for his internal optimism. But, uh, brother, my brother in Christ, I don't see it.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't see it this week uh, for sure. But uh, who knows, right? Stranger things have happened.
2: Um, I think I, I can quickly address uh, the the uh, MJW's question. There will actually have any healthy defensive tackles this week. Um I'm going to read the names of the four uh players that are listed as defensive tackles on USF's uh current active roster. <clears throat> if any of these names sound familiar, please speak up and forever hold your peace. Uh DeJuan Sacy. Cece Walk on, Cease. they got a scholarship this
1: season, right? Yep.
2: Yep. Uh Colby Smith. Sure. Jabril Glaze. Jefferson boy. Yep, and uh, yeah. Danny Gins- yeah, he he actually just came back to USF. Uh, not came back, he like bounced around for a little bit. He like literally just got added to the roster. Like he doesn't have a picture or anything. Yep, and then uh, Danny Gonzalez.
0: think mean, you got those Nick Bags, are- right? I guess
2: is was- so. Those guys are are what are considered to be defensive linemen uh, on the online roster, which they have changed these guys around from their positions. Uh, initially so you know things get kind of shuffled and moved around so you guys got you got guys that are moving uh from defensive end to defensive tackle you know a guy like Rashawn yates who would probably historically have been a defensive tackles listed as a defensive end um so it, it you know they definitely uh don't have defensive tackles right now <laughs> uh is what i'm saying here they really honest to god do not have <laughs> the size defensive tackles that you would normally want a guy that's, you know, close to 300, um, you know, able to push some bodies around the, the defensive ends are like probably between 220 and 260 pounds. So you're looking at like almost a 400 pound or 40 pound difference between what a defensive tackle should be and what we're lining up right now. So they're having to, um, they're really having to to kind of stretch guys and get creative with, uh, with, you know, Shoop's defense and and the blitzes that they're giving, um, you know, that's the unfortunate nature of just a culmination of problems that have uh, plagued this program for the last couple of years. <laughs> that you have four yeah. defensive tackles and none of them are scholarship players.
0: Yep. Um. You know what? I think let's just go to predictions here. Yeah. Let's okay. wrap it up. Um, USF at Houston ESPN two to nooner it'll get you out of the way you can get prepped for your Halloween parties uh you can get prepped for your your if you want to go to the, the pumpkin patch in the afternoon the weather should should be delightful um oh god
2: um <laughs> really really just rip off the band-aid here
0: Yeah, uh Houston's favored by 17 and a half uh, Stieg, let's go with you. Uh, you pick Tulane, uh, you picked the Tulane game. You picked USF to win 35, 31, like an idiot. Um, what well, say you this week?
2: Like the big fucking idiot I am. Um, now la- last night I, I, I had said that, you know, they, they might backdoor cover, um, just because, you know, Houston isn't exactly just, you know, uh, sans a game or two, they're not like absolutely just blowing doors off people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the discipline is also the big thing that I, I, I've been, you know, jumping out to me in Houston. So, you know, last time I was like, yeah, maybe they'll, they'll backdoor cover. And then, uh, I sat here and looked at like statistics and then I looked at Jeff Scott's record and I looked at how Jeff Scott starts football games and then I looked at how Jeff Scott ends football games and I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop being a fucking idiot. Uh, li- li- I mean, realistically, like, you know, down your starting quarterback. You're down most of your defense. You know, sure, you might get a few guys back and healthy here, but like, fuck, man, you haven't shown a, a sign of life outside of, you know, five minutes of the Howard game. And uh, you kind of back your ass into a, a bad situation at Tulane. So uh, let's really just, you know, put the nail in the coffin, uh, Scott and Holman podcast. Uh, beat the doors off of us. Uh, beat us like 63 to 10. Make me feel bad about myself. Uh, <laughs>
0: Yeah, just, okay. just make me feel bad. Sixty-three to ten Houston.
1: Okay. Good lord. Um, Seth. Yeah. I am t- I'm gonna say my previous my previous week was pretty close. I was yeah. the wanted there for a minute.
0: Yeah, so uh you picked two lane uh to win thirty eight twenty four. Um so you were off by what, ten seven, fourteen points overall? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but the margin was
1: correct. Correct.
0: So here's what I'm
1: thinking. I'm not gonna go 63 to 10. I think that's I wouldn't say it's out of the realm of possibility, but I'm not gonna go quite <laughs> I'm not gonna go quite that high. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna stick it about um like forty one to twenty, forty one seventeen. Let's go forty one twenty.
0: Forty one twenty. Houston Houston. Uh, Houston victorious if I didn't. So that's a, that's a win and a cover. Um so I picked Tulane to win forty five twenty-one or excuse me, forty-five-twenty-four. So I was pretty damn oh, close. So I, on, I, I yeah. was I you was a, on I was a touchdown off um on the USF side. And I think they would have got it if Gary had stayed healthy. Um Houston hasn't allowed uh fewer than twenty points in a game this season. Uh there are ab- their defense has uh, given up an average of a little over 31 points per game. Um, with Gary, I think they probably put up that 31 number. With Trey, I think it's closer to that 20, 20 25-ish number. Um, but I'm going to go Houston. As I said at the top, Houston scored at least 50-plus points versus USF in three consecutive years. They're going to make it four. They're going to make it a clean sweep for uh, it's going to be fifty-five to twenty-three, and then there's going to be a serious conversation about Jeff Scott's future uh, <clears throat> on Sunday. That—that's my prediction. So you think Steeg
1: is in the within the realm of possibility here?
0: Yeah, I think the offense shows up a little bit more than he he does, but uh, yeah, they're putting up they're putting up video game numbers against this team. Yeah, he's guarding uh, Tank Dell. He's too Not- small though. Maybe, maybe, small.
1: maybe he won't be able to play. Yeah. Because he's too small.
0: I was I was so disappointed that no one asked about Tank Dell and how uh, there's some people on Jeff Scott's staff who are still on staff that said he was too small. But other than that, I, so, so maybe he won't play because he's too small. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be that'd be helpful. That, that would be helpful. Um, but yeah, there you have it. Uh, Steve picks sixty three to ten. Houston, uh, Seth. 4120 Houston, uh Nathan 5523 Houston. Uh I think Seth and I I think we are 7 and 0 picking um these games straight up. Uh so that was uh I mean it's been pretty easy if we're being honest. It's <laughs> and that's, and so real,
1: I, I think our I think if you go back to 2020,
0: our numbers are pretty good straight pretty, up. We're pretty yeah, good straight pretty up. Pretty good straight up uh against uh this Bulls team. Um but there's no money, there's no money in picking the favorites. That's that's the unfortunate part. We've made like four bucks.
1: One thing I do want to say that just bugs me a little bit.
0: The comment about
1: being underdogs, you know, double-digit underdogs, right? They don't announce all the spreads before the season. They're not static. <laughs> they change <laughs> as the season goes. Right. So if you're consistently a double-digit underdog, maybe it's be- that's always because the other team is awesome. <laughs> yeah, Sometimes it's, it's you. because you're not very good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that's just you know it's one thing week one yeah okay week six week seven you're still to with teams that you. aren't great. You know that people power rate these things, and teams move up. Like Alabama probably wasn't a seven point underdog to Alabama in the all or Tennessee wasn't a seven point underdog to Alabama in the offseason. season. That's probably a little bit higher, but Tennessee was really good. So that sounds like a bunch the of spread rat shrinks. So hmm. that one was just like injuries. All right, maybe that's legit, but like the point spread thing, like you have a you have a you you you're. You you can uh, uh, impact that a little bit.
0: (laughs) I mean, uh, just a little bit, just a hair. I'm sure, you know, Kansas would have been, you know, double digit underdogs in a lot of these games if they had just played it out without seeing them actually play. Yet here we are. They're what?
1: They were an eight point underdog to Baylor last week. What was that in the preseason? 20 points?
0: Things change. That's so weird. You uh, you show some competency, yeah. uh, and uh, you know what? Vegas doesn't like to lose money, so they change the lines accordingly. Yeah. That's one that just stuck in my crawl a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Um, so, we'll be – Seth, we'll discuss off air, but I, I would say it, maybe maybe we do the pregame. Yeah, postgame. Maybe. I mean, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. At least we'll the pregame see. show. Yeah, we'll see how the our Saturday takes us. Um, yeah. But again, check it out or don't. You know, it's purely up to you if you want to have a fun Saturday. Uh, ESPN two noon o'clock, uh, eleven a.m. Central for you folks traveling out to Houston. Um, for for Nathan for Seth. Prestige, thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Illuminati Podcast. Go bulls! Go bulls! Oh.